Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth. I am Andy Last. This is episode 212. And on the show today, I will be chatting with Killstar. And I'll also be having a quick chat with Cole from Retro Reverb Records. So that is the plan today. Uh, I apologize. That cold really, I still have the remnants of this cold, and it's really thrown off my whole schedule, so I'm not happy about it, but my commitment to you, the Beyond Synth listeners, and of course my lovely uh, patrons and PayPals, uh, there will be Beyond Synth every week, it's just the day is all off right now. Hopefully I can get it back on track or else, uh, I don't know what I expect. Because, like, once the schedule's off, and now this episode's dropping on Wednesday, somehow magically in my head I'm like, but I'll still be able to deliver the next episode on Monday, but I just lost, like, three days. So I don't know how that happens. Uh, Anyway, look, the bottom line is this. We're going to listen to some cool music and uh, have some some fun chat, all right? So this is fun. Betamax has a new album coming out uh, very soon. And this track, I'm going to debut a track. How about that? Because the single was the one he did with Vandal Moon, I believe, is the one he put out. But I uh, personally liked this track. And, of course, there's a, a connection to the Beyond Synth family because this is the track he did with Glitbiter. And uh, we're going to listen to it right now because it's a great song. This is Sky High by Betamax featuring Glitbiter.
that was Betamax with the track Sky High featuring Glitbiter. And that is a cool song. And it's always fun to debut things. And that was brought to you uh, by my awesome patrons. All right. So look, what's new here? We got a new uh, member of the $10 Club, Mr. Alex Seligson. I think that's how you say that. Welcome aboard, Alex. Needless to say, you're very cool. And thanks for uh, supporting the show. And then Matthew Conway has upgraded his support. He is now... Well, technically, were you always a donation of the Beast guy? Now it's just official. Uh, As I mentioned uh, last week, I added the Donation of the Beast as an official Patreon tier because if you join the Beyond Synth Discord, where people are having chats and stuff like that, uh, if you connect your Patreon account to your Discord account, then your name will show up in red. Red like hell! Oh, God. (coughs) Sorry, guys, I'm not back to normal. Uh, And, of course, Jimpy has upgraded his support. Yeah, he's now in the 1899 Club. I like when people do that because it looks like it's like the shopping network or something. Uh, Thank you, Jimpy, for your loyal support of Beyond Synth. And uh, we'll be talking with Cole uh, from Retro Reverb Records shortly. I'll probably play another track first. And then we'll uh, do the do. I said my voice is still. I can't do certain things, or else I start coughing. So I'm not out of the woods yet, but I'm trying. I'm uh, drinking some water. And I'll tell you, my PlayStation fan is so loud now that I don't think this thing's gonna live. But uh, then again, who does? I don't know because now if the PlayStation Five is like a year away, if my PlayStation Four dies in like the next like few months, I don't think I'm going to replace it. It just seems really stupid to, like, buy a console again just to, you know, replace it with the newer one several months later. But we'll see, because I've been thinking about getting an Xbox, uh, again, just to play the uh, Rare Replay Collection. But I've seen a few of those uh, online, people selling them used and stuff, so I think that's what I'll... I think that'll be my plan. Anyway, I don't think you guys care about this, so how about we listen to some music? Here's one from Anders Enger Jensen. This was from Retro Grooves Volume 3, and this is a nice one. Uh, This is called Thinking of You, the instrumental version.
And that was Enders Enger Jensen from Retro Grooves Volume 3. That was Thinking of You Instrumental. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Man, in the $88 Club, there's Robert D. Bishop and Chris Dance and Six Mill with the 8484. Mike Shima with the 82. You guys are all very awesome and generous people. And one of these days, I'll give you a high five. For real. So, how about we uh, go and chat with Cole from Retro Reverb Records? All right, so I'm here right now with... Is this Cole? Yes, it's Cole, yes. Hi there, Andy. So this is Cole from Retro Reverb Records. So you you guys have a little label over there. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're um, we're based in uh, Sicily. We live in Palermo. So there's me and Alex Vicchetti who run the label. I'm originally from the UK in London, and Alex was raised here in in Italy. But he lived in England for about ten years, so his English is like fantastic. You live in Italy? Yeah, yeah. I live in in Sicily, right in the south. It's very very hot at the moment still and they're coming up to november how long have you been in uh, italy i'm a teacher or i manage english schools and uh, i've been outside of the uk for about 10 years and i've been like in italy and poland and then back in the uk and stuff like that this time i've been in italy for about nine months then i went back to england for three months and then i'm back here again for another year is it just a coincidence then that you went to italy uh, where alex was or is that how you guys met that's how we met yeah we both worked in the same uh, english school and there i met my wife who was friends with Alex and um, she wasn't my wife obviously when I met her <laughs> and uh, yeah no and we were we were here for a couple of years then uh, my wife and I went off to Poland for two years and then we came back and when I came back that's when we decided to start um, Retro Reverb Records okay cool so what are some of the uh, artists you have on the label we've had some come we've had some go um, this is normal in this sort of industry I reckon um, at the moment we have on board we've got uh, Honeybeard, who are in your neck of the woods, I do believe. You're in Toronto, right, Andy? That's correct. Isn't it? That is correct, yes. We've got Alex Ficchetti, who runs it with me. His name is Alex Ficchetti. His artist name is Alex Ficchetti. We've got Eden Future from Illinois in America. We've got Buddy Cop from Texas, Dallas, Texas, I believe, in America. And he's about to release his debut EP, which is called The Patrol. Uh, we've got a guy called Macapella in Scotland. We've got the Sub Theory, who's from the UK, and Dark Smoke Signal, who's from Bristol in the UK. Cool. So what, what makes people uh, want to start a label? You, I think you have to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because it's difficult to run a label now. There's there's so much opportunities for people to do this by themselves. You know, you've got your band camps and your Spotify. And now with the sort of development of all the DAW programs, people can, you know, make music in, in their own bedroom and be creative and stuff. Um, the reason that we wanted to make music is both Alex and I have been involved in the music industry over the years. I mean, Alex was in rock before. I uh, came from like a rock band background and he actually had some success but was badly treated by the industry. And I had been working with, do you know Time Slave Recordings? Yes. So there's two brothers there, Vincent and Jerome, and um, I originally started Time Slave Recordings with them. But because I had to move uh, away from where I was living, geographically, it didn't it didn't work out. So we decided to part ways. And we're very, we're still great friends and we still talk and help each other. So when I moved to 
uh, Italy, Alex said, look, do you want to carry on doing what you were doing at Time Slave? And I was like, yeah, ideally, I'd love to. And we sort of came up with the idea that we wanted to try and harness this fairly sort of niche genre, but try and do it in a sort of like fair way. And we, we, we do try to support the scene. We do try to be kind to our artists. And we do it really just because we love it. We don't, you know, particularly make a load of money from it or anything like that. And it takes a lot of our free time. But um, it feels really good when we get a release and, you know, people like it and the artists start to progress and move forward. It's 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 very satisfying. It's more satisfying than my day job. What's your day job? I'm a teacher. I'm an English teacher. I run English schools. I help people run English schools because I've been doing it for so long. So you don't actually, like, you're not in the classroom anymore? You're just sort of like a wrangling teachers or do you still... <laughs> yeah, I'm like a wise old wizard. No, no. <laughs> no, I do, I do still teach. I keep my finger on the pulse. But over the years, as I've developed my skill sets, I've realized that managing is where I'm sort of strongest, which is why I sort of take on the managerial role with Retro Reverb Records. And I I let Alex get on. He's more like content uh, creation. He does the creative side. He does media, mixing and mastering. Whereas I sort of try and find the talent. I try to do promotion and I sort of direct him towards the image that I want the label to sort of portray kind of thing how well do you need to know the language of the place if if you're like an english school and then all of a sudden you pop off to like poland or something and then you're back in uh, in italy or whatever like how do you need to know italian to teach english to italian people or do you literally just walk in and talk english and then that's how they learn i was actually having this conversation have you ever tried to learn another language Andy? not since i was a kid like we we learned french in public school but that's about it I, I, I was literally having this conversation about four or five hours ago. Hey, you're, you're literally having it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, literally having it now as well. I was like deja vu. We, I was talking about the fact that some teachers are lazy and they rely on the fact that they know the um, native language of their students to translate when their students don't understand. And really that doesn't do anyone any favors because what you should really be doing is like eliciting the language, demonstrating the language so that they learn for themselves. But sometimes it it's very time consuming, especially if you've got a very, very low level student, you know, they, they know nothing in the language. It can be very time consuming to explain instructions or like, you know, sometimes you need just one word or something just to, to help them get by. So I would say the answer to the question is when they're, when they're really low levels, it's helpful to know a bit of the language that you're teaching, but it's not necessarily beneficial to use it too often. So it's a bit of a sort of yes, no answer, if you like. I do speak Italian, by the way. So, I mean, you know, I use it to help me. I wouldn't say I'm fluent or amazing in Italian, but I can get by kind of thing. I mean, I can say spaghetti. I don't know how useful that would be as a teacher. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's extremely useful. You go into a restaurant, you say, can I have some pizza? Can I have some spaghetti? They will understand. <laughs> that's all that matters. Maybe I'll become an English teacher. Yeah, well, you won't, you won't starve anyway if you come to it, see, that's for sure. Yeah, I should do that sometime. I know Vincenzo is always going off about the pizza. I just want to eat it for myself and see. Because the possibility is that I am so conditioned by North American pizza that I might not even like Italian pizza. Well, I don't know what North American pizza's like is it is it delicious well you know it's like it's uh, really doughy and like fried and there's meat all over it and you know they, they is it is it is it deep pan 
you know, like thick crust. You can get it uh, all sorts of ways. It's very greasy. Right. Okay. Well, usually here it, they're they're usually thin crust, and I wouldn't. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. They're greasy. Yeah. You know, there's lots of cheese and oil, and they do put meat on it. The best place to eat pizza is Napoli, anyway, or or Naples for for English people. Um, they've just got delicious pizza. That's just unbelievably good. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what uh, Vincenzo said. Yeah. That seems to be the the consensus. But look. Enough about pizza. Let's listen to some music. So you've selected some songs uh, from the the Retro Reverb Records catalog, and so we'll uh, mm-hmm. listen to a few of those while we chat. And so since uh, Honeybeard's single is out today, if this episode airs today, so uh, we're going to listen to that. So this is Honeybeard with the track Like a Fire.
And that was Like a Fire by Honeybeard. And that uh, is out now, so go get it on Retro Reverb Records. And I'm talking right now to uh, Cole, uh, one of the guys who runs Retro Reverb Records, with another fellow called Alex who is not here. Where is Alex right now? Unfortunately, I tried very hard to get him here he had to work you know with your your time constraints and our time constraints unfortunately he couldn't be here i'm actually gutted i wanted a, i wanted him alongside me he's a, he's a great guy and he would have had a lot to add to the conversation but hey ho there you go what can you do yes i should let the audience know this was very rushed sometimes uh, if i see an episode coming in short i might go like oh i'll reach out to so and so and i know we've talked on email a few times about you guys coming on the show and i just thought like well this would be a a moment to record that, but often my moments to record things are very brief and uh, very specific. Yeah, well, you know, thanks a lot. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad we managed to organise something. And you know, it, yeah, we have been talking for a while, haven't we? Because you were uh, you were quite supportive about the uh, the charity album that we did, Retro Reverb Rhythms Volume One, which was loads of fun, loads of stress, but in the end certainly worth it so yeah now are you guys doing another one absolutely definitely don't know when uh probably an annual thing i mean last time i lost my hair and went gray and nearly died um (laughs) it's you know it's it's difficult enough managing a release with just one artist you know there's so much so many things to do but when you we had 24 artists featuring on the album 12 of them weren't on the label so you know i had to deal with them in in a different way than i would my own artists as well and there was just so much work but um it was utterly worth it you know forever synth was super supportive of us they you know they got us a venue and helped us put it out live on air oh because you did a live stream right that was the thing yeah we did a live release of the album yeah and you streamed it the same night that fm84 was playing in toronto because i was gonna like share it or whatever but then it, it happened to coincide with the an evening i wasn't home yeah had had i have known i probably wouldn't have done that but in the end we were we, you know we were sort of tied because um i was in the uk for only a short period of time i only had a few days and um because forever synth only air on a wednesday we had to do it on a wednesday so we we couldn't move it in the end but there you go so is that still available for people to pick up yeah yeah it's on our Bandcamp, which is just retro reverb records at bandcamp.com yeah it's still there um we've sold all of the hard copies so all of the tapes have gone but the digital version is still available i want to put it on vinyl and at some point i probably will and i will put it back up and say you know for a limited period you know there's a limited amount of vinyls back up or i might put the tapes back up because you know it's sold it gets sold out very quickly in fact it I had people writing to me after it sold out saying, are you going to put any more up? And we just, uh, we couldn't. So I was like, sorry. <laughs> so what's the plan, man? What's on tap for the, the future of, of Retro Reverb Records? You got any... Uh you got any hot plans? Yeah, <laughs> we have. I'm, I mean, I, I get a lot of submissions. I'm sure you you do as well. And there's a lot of stuff that sort of sounds the same. And I don't mean that like disrespectfully because it's a nice sound. It was a sound that created the scene. You know, this sort of generic, I don't know, I think of the film Drive, you know, this sort of ambient synth wave. And it creates a sort of sense of nostalgia. And it's, and it's certainly got a nice 80s feel for it. But I personally, at the moment, I'm looking for something that's, a little bit outside of the box still within this within the genre still sort of touching those emotional notes that people like from the 80s but doing something slightly different i, I think you know honeybeard 
uh, are doing that at the moment. Um, I'm really pleased with the work that they're pulling out. Absolutely fantastic. With a lot of synthwave I hear, and I understand what you're saying, is there is a sort of generic sort of synthwave sound. And I still like it because I like synthwave, and so I like it playing in the background and stuff. But it still takes some talent to sort of take that and make it where it actually, like, where I'm compelled, like, while I listen to it. And I still hear, like, synthwave stuff that, like, this is traditional synthwave, but it just has that extra oomph that makes me, like, you know, go, oh, this song's fucking cool. And then there's other stuff I hear where I'm like, okay, it sounds like, you know, synthwave made from a template. And I don't hate it because I like synthwave, but I also don't love it either. And so I'm always in that boat of trying to find stuff that I just, that when I, like when I hear the song, I want to listen to it again. And it inspires me. Absolutely. And the more generic stuff, I like it because it's synthwave, but I don't necessarily find it inspiring. I'm like, this is fine. And if I owned a restaurant, I'd be fine with it playing on the background, you know, if people are watching walking around and stuff but I mean that's maybe like its only function yeah I mean it, like someone said to me who's not a Simpsway fan it, it, it's a bit lift music-y sometimes and I, I kind of like I mean, it's better than lift music, obviously. No, but I know I, I kind of I, I knew what they were driving at. Not that not that I agreed, you know, as such. But um, I, I kind of got what they were driving at. This is why I mean, I quite like the slightly more upbeat stuff because it gives me, you know, there's drops and there's peaks in it and stuff like that. And you know, sometimes the synth pop stuff does that a bit more than some of the like dream wave stuff. But mm. I think. You know, I don't want to take away from artists who make that because I'm not saying that I'm not interested in that. I am. I mean, but it's just got to be well done because I think the scene, that's its roots, isn't it? That's where the scene came from. And, you know, like all scenes, it's changing. And I like to think that it's actually becoming a bit more professional and serious. And, we, and I'm starting to see it now. You're starting to see artists who are really starting to produce some really good quality stuff, great artwork. People are putting videos out there. You know, the production value is increasing and it's becoming more marketable and more sellable. And, you know, that's good because the, the standard is rising. Yeah, but the scene always has that ability to find new people who are coming in at maybe the entry level, but they will probably develop and find their own style and sound that will become unique, Within the genre, if you see what I mean. Well, look, how about this? Let's uh, listen to another track, and then we'll chat for a few more minutes. So this is the other one uh, you picked. This is from your uh, your label partner, Mr. Uh, Alex uh, Vicchietti. Is that how you say that? Vicchietti? That was very good. Yeah, perfect. Alex Vicchietti. <laughs> and uh, Alex has a song, and we're going to listen to that right now. This is Child featuring Alenis. Oh, you, my child.
Vicchietti featuring Alenis. And I am talking right now to Cole, the guy who runs Retro Reverb Records with Alex. Now, Alex isn't here, but we've experienced Alex through the power of music because he is also a musician as well as being the uh, co-label man. <laughs> Co-owner, co-stress diffuser for me. He, he helps take all the stress out of things. So is he the, le- the least stressed out person? I'm the calm one, actually. He, he He's Italian, you know, he, he gets all hot-headed and stuff. But no he, no, he helps me because just because of his work, you know, his work ethic and his standards, he enables me to do what I do. So without him, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it. So he does de-stress me. Although sometimes he stresses me out as well because he doesn't do things that I want him to do. So I have to say, Alex, you've done it wrong. Do you say that in Italian? I sometimes swear at him in Italian, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on the the show in Italian or not. You can. I say, Cazzo fai, Alex. <laughs> Which means, what the F are you doing? <laughs> what the F? I see, I, I say what the F in my, uh, in my regular life. It's not quite as satisfying as saying fuck, but, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> nah, fuck it. It's not as satisfying, is it? <laughs> no, actually, it's not satisfying at all. I, I have no choice. Like, a lot of it's all, um, it's instinctual now. I say really crazy things now, actually, I've noticed. Like, I almost have Tourette's because the only thing that's satisfying me now is to just say things that are offensive. Like, that is what is satisfying. Today, I got my umbrella stuck on the fence. It was raining and I didn't want to go outside and then and then I uh, had to because I had to walk the kids to school. And then when I came back and I got the umbrella, it's a fucking stuck on the fence. It was really frustrating. So I, I yelled out slut. That was the thing I yelled. <laughs> at, the, at the umbrella. What you, sh- what you should have done is got the umbrella and like start whacking on the floor and calling it a fucking slut. Well, that's what's weird because it's, <laughs> it's not a word I use that often. Like, I don't know. I, one time I, I there was a period of time where I used to yell shit eater all the time. Where like I'd like where something was really frustrating, I'm like fucking shit eater, <laughs> and then today it was just like ah oh, fucking slut, and I'm just like what, and I I catch myself as I'm like walking away like slut, like I just call the umbrella a slut. I mean I like, get such a I don't even really like that word. It's just it just came out of me. It's very derogatory. Yeah, I mean talking about like not being PC. I'm not a particularly PC guy, especially when my umbrella gets stuck on the fence. Oh, well, obviously not. But I mean. Down here in the boot of Italy, the south of Italy, they are so unbelievably politically incorrect. I just cannot. Some of the things I hear here, I mean, it's like 30 years ago, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's like hilarious, though. I talked to, because uh, I just had Vincenzo and his wife on the show, Yana, mm-hmm. uh, uh, maybe like a few weeks ago. And holy smokes, is she hilarious. Because she's a Ukrainian and uh, she speaks like a person from 30 years ago. I mean, like, that's just what the things that come out of her mouth are and it's so funny when i hear someone say stuff that you're just not supposed to say it's very funny to me because it's like ooh, like that was naughty you know like that's where it's at right now i mean like not everything like it still has to be or does it even have to be clever i don't even know if i'm gonna make that distinction i don't think it has to be clever i think it's just better if it is it can just be rude but if it's rude and clever it's it's like double funny yeah 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 for me I need to be surprised. I think there's a certain element of when I find stuff funny that there needs to be a a surprise aspect to it. Like, ooh, I didn't see that coming. So if you talk to a person who is regularly crass, it's not funny because I know that's what they're going to say. You know what I mean? So when someone comes out and like, oh, that's the offensive guy, then it's like, boo, like I couldn't (laughs) care less because I'm like, fucking, I know that's what he does. But when someone I'm not expecting says something offensive, then it catches me off guard and then I find it funny. Yeah, my grand's like 92 and she's probably never sworn in her life and she and oh fuck the other day and it was absolutely hilarious because she sounds like the queen when she speaks <laughs> I just I couldn't believe she'd said it I was like oh my god Grant what did you just say I, I think when things are not obvious like you're saying when things are not obvious hmm. that's what makes them funny when they're dry and subtle and or, or unexpected and they certainly get you don't they I have no problem with swearing I never have and so I like when there's people who like make a point to not swear and then they do one time and then you're like ah you're human like that to me is like a sign of humanity is like because when people don't swear I always feel like where is this where is your outlet man you got to have an outlet from an English teacher point of view Andy I mean the word fuck is one of the most versatile words there are in the English language it can be a verb it can be a noun it can be an adverb it can be an adjective it's brilliant no it's a magical thing um I, I've sworn a lot in my life, so I go through phases, but a lot of it now almost feels involuntary. Like, it does feel like a sort of Tourette's, where I just sort of bump into something and then just random things happen, and then I end up, uh... <laughs> <laughs> calling ca- calling an umbrella a slut. I mean, do, do, do you enjoy it? Do you feel better? Yes. 
Oh, I love swearing. Excellent. It makes me happy. I'm going to teach you the word fuck in Sicilian. Excellent. All right, and it's a word you can remember and use forever and ever. You know, be careful when you say it to Italian. So it's uh, minchia. Minchia. Yeah, in, in in standard Italian, it's cazzo. But in Sicilian... Cazzo. Um, yeah, when we hear it, it's minchia. Minchia. Cazzo. <laughs> Excellent, man. So this is very important. I'm glad we had this talk. <laughs> well, I'm a teacher by nature, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, man. Well, look. Listen, it was uh, it was nice to meet you. What should people do? Should they go to a website or something? Can I um just before we go, Andy? Could I can I do a shameless plug of what's coming up on Retro Reverb Records? Sure, man. You got ten seconds. Okay, we've got Honeybeard Whispers of Light. We've got Alex Minkia. Minkia. We got Ale- <laughs> we got Alex Getty. Uh, the Good Fight. We've got Scott fight or flight. There's a lot of fights going on here. Cats. We've got Dark Smoke Signal. He hasn't bloody named his album yet. Self-titled. Yes, I don't know. I, he's got some name. He mentioned it to me. He asked me not to say it, so I'm not going to yet. We've got the Sub Theory, who's got an EP and an album to follow it we've got buddy cop the patrol that's coming out all of these are coming out october november december i can't remember exactly off the top of my head i know um, honeybeard is the 8th of november scott will probably be around the 20th buddy cop will be somewhere at the beginning of december alex vichetti will be january or february sub theory will be after that and then we've got macapella and Eden, I have no idea yet when they're planning to come out. But that's my shameless plug. Thank you for allowing me to do it. No problem, man. RetroReverbRecords.BandCamp.com. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Perfect. All right, man. Well, look, you have a lovely uh, Italian day. And say hi to your uh, co Manager Alex Fichetti, yeah, <laughs> Alex Fichetti, yeah. He'll be he'll be listening in. We'll be, he'll he'll certainly want to hear the interview, and I will say hi to him and say that you told him to uh, fuck off. <laughs> I did say hey, take that, Alex Gatso. <laughs> okay, Andy, thank you very much for the time today. It was really nice speaking with you. Yeah, man, you too, dude. Okay, take care. And that was my little quick chat with uh, Cole from Retro Reverb Records. So you got all the links. You can go check it out. Uh, That was brought to you by my awesome patrons. Uh, With the 4488, it's Jacob Wick. With the 42, it's City Hunter. And in the 2666 Club, there's Hugh Hefner and Lucas Ceballos. So how about we uh, listen to another track, and then we will go chat with Killstar. And this is from the Dystopian Hysteria album by City of Rain. And uh, and it's brought to you by my awesome uh, Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Clint Dowling, Techno Ben, Restless Nights, Honeybeard, and Tim Carlton. And this track is called Acidia by City of Rain.
And that was City of Rain with the track Acidia from the Dystopian Hysteria album. And that is, uh, of course, brought to you by my awesome patrons, Johnny Five, Emilio Astevez, Pattern Shift, Kempson, Martin Larby, Gregorio Franco, and Blake Peterson, all in the $25 Club. And if you want to support the amazing work we do here at Beyond Synth, the amazing charitable work we're building homes. Uh, we're saving lives. Uh, anyway, if you want to uh, support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Or you can go to beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button there because there's also a PayPal option for uh, my lovely PayPals. And uh, yeah, so look, let's go chat with Killstar. All right, well, I am here with Killstar. How's it going, man? It's going well, Andy. How are you? I'm good. That is Killstar with two R's. Indeed. Is there a meaning behind that? Well, have you ever played Far Cry Blood Dragon? Yes. There's a weapon that you receive towards, like, the end of the game, which is called the Killstar, with one R. I just figured for Google ability, it might be easier if I had two R's, because I think there's, like, some gothic clothing company that's called Killstar with one R. Mm. Just to differentiate myself from that, I um, chucked an extra R on there. Uh, search engine optimization. <laughs> kind of like Ringo Starr. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay, cool, man. So look, you are you are Johnny. Yes. How do you say your last name? It's Von Kaleita. Kaleita. Yeah. Did you and I play online chess at some point? Maybe. That rings a bell. All right. Yeah, I believe so. In the, in the early days. I remember I was looking because I wanted to play online chess, and I feel like I played it with you, and then I realized I don't like online chess. <laughs> you just don't like getting beaten. Yeah, no, you beat me, but what frustrated me was, because I like playing chess, and I, I liked the idea of when I saw everybody else playing like those like Scrabble games and stuff, it's sort of, yeah. you know, you play for a few minutes, and then you go back to your game the next day, and, you know, do another few words, and sort of you have an on ongoing game with people that's right yeah but uh my brain doesn't do that for chess (laughs) not to say that i mean you probably are a better player than me but there was a few times where i got had just because i forgot what my move was gonna be yeah i'm sure that was the reason well in this case it was it was like (laughs) i would sit there and be like okay this is my next move i'm gonna plan this thing and then the next day i'd see your move i would just have like a knee-jerk reaction of like oh he moved his knight i'm gonna take his knight out and then when i get killed i'd be like Oh, fuck, because I was setting this thing up and I completely forgot the thing I was setting up because I was doing it like the day before or like the day before that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Have you ever seen those like chess players? They play like multiple people at the same time. I don't know how they do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I like I'm an okay chess player, but I have to do it all in one go. Mm. What I wanted, I couldn't have. What I wanted was the idea of, you know, you know, when it's like. Moriarty and Sherlock playing each other and there's some chessboard in a forest and like they can keep coming back to it and doing a move and then a year later like the other one does another move or something you know and I thought it'd be all cool yeah like you've seen the bodyguard um, where he goes to stay with his dad and they're like continuing a chess game from like six years ago or something like that yeah that's exactly that's exactly the thing and then the flaw in that is I forget what the hell my plan was to be fair 
Like, I'm not really great at laying plans in chess. It's just that it's really frustrating when I had a plan mm. and then I forgot it. That's the thing. So I'm not trying to make it out like I'm some sort of mastermind at chess. I'm not. In fact, my usual strategy is just to sort of kill all of the important pieces. Like, I never actually plan checkmates. I just sort of go like, well, if I just <laughs> kill a lot of their players, then... I'll just have more of an advantage to do a checkmate, but I'm never clever enough to plan checkmates. So there could be like a checkmate staring you in the face, but you're like, I'm going to take that knight out. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that makes me, what rank that makes me. Is there ranks? (laughs) Um, I think there are ranks. I think it's like a number system, like an ELO level or something like that. Mm. I don't Uh, know how it all works. I like because six years ago, you and I played online chess one time that now I've made you like the chess guy. Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) how I'll forever be remembered. I don't even do synthwave anymore. I'm the chess guy now. Yeah, man. Fucking Killstar the chess master with two R's. Ah, uh, good shit. So, where are you talking to me from? I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Cool. I'm talking to you from the studio. Melbourne's pretty nice today, actually. It's been, like, you know, it's winter here. Been pretty cold and rainy, but for some reason the sun has come out today, which is nice. It was on the cool side today, but it wasn't so humid, so that's a good thing. We have a lot of humidity over here. Mm. That's what Marco has to get used to. Yeah. Well, fuck Marco. He can get used to it. <laughs> I like you, Johnny. (laughs) I like you, Andy. (laughs) All right, man. Well, how about let's dive in here Mm. to the Kill Star. So you've been making music for uh, a while. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a track here. Beautiful. From the Memories EP. This is back in 2014. This was my favorite track. I remember you. You're one of the first people who sent me music. Oh, right. Like, there was a point where, you know, where where people were still discovering the show and the audience was, I mean, the audience is still small, but I mean, like, when the audience was very small. Mm -hmm. I remember you were one of the first people who were like, uh, send me a Bandcamp code. Yeah, that's right. And it was like, and I was still figuring out Bandcamp and all of this stuff. And I think one time it was Dallas Campbell and then then it was Killstar. And I remember it was this album. What a dumb story. What a... (laughs) I'm like saying this like this is interesting. <laughs> it's, anyway. it's interesting to me. Well, because now it's like a thing I just sort of take for granted where like I just get messages from people and they're like, check this out, check this out. But back then it was like a novelty, like, oh, someone's sending me music. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, this was my favorite track off the album. This one's called Dark City by Killstar.
That was Killstar with the track Dark City from the Memories EP all the way back in 2014. And I am here with Killstar right now, Johnny. Oh, yeah. So um, what made you start making the tunes? Well, I mean, I've always, uh, I suppose, had an interest in music. As a kid, I got introduced to piano. I was practicing for years i went through all these like classical piano training exams and all that kind of jazz and when i first figured out that you could make music with computers i was really interested in that so i kind of like dabbled in really bad sort of chip tune sort of style music mm. um, when i first started out then i discovered synthwave along the way i think it might have been through either hotline miami or the movie drive or they all sort of coincided around the same time and I was like wow people actually make this music that I didn't know existed and I was really into it and I thought hey I'm gonna try and do this as well that's how I started in synthwave did you ever release your chiptune stuff I did like it's still I suppose on the internet somewhere in some sort of like chiptune archive or something like that they're not particularly great I mean it was my first sort of foray into making music in general so it was pretty bad but um I could probably find some and send it to you later if you like. What did you uh, call yourself? I just called myself JVK, which are my initials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I took a yeah. moment to put that together. Like, is he lying? Oh, yeah, good. Wait a second. <laughs> Story checks out. Wait, wait, wait. So, what? does Vaughn count as a middle name? No, no, Vaughn is part of the surname. So, it's like a German thing. Um, Vaughn literally means from in German. So, it's kind of like from Kaliter or from the house of Kaliter. That's essentially what the Von represents. So it is part of the surname. Well, just because when you refer to it as the initials, and so it's like, it's funny that the V gets its own, even though it is technically uh, part of the name. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. Like, it would probably be just JV or JK. It's it's a weird one. It's kind of like in Irish or Scottish, how you have like MacDonald, McNamara, Mac whatever. Mm-hmm. The MC is kind of like that prefix almost for the actual surname. <laughs> So, I like yeah, that. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a historian. <laughs> well, I've, I've now made you the the chess guy and the last name etymology guy. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so qualified right now. <laughs> yeah, man, this is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? I'm going to be a professor of etymology soon. Yeah, well, that's what I like to do. I think, like, whenever I talk to people, it's like, why there's never any preparation? Because, you know, people <laughs> will message me and go like, oh, should I prepare? What are you going to ask me? I'm just like... <laughs> Oh, you will see. And then it's because I don't write anything down. So. <laughs> Uh, that's brilliant. It's more exciting this way. Yeah, but I feel bad because I feel like sometimes people really come in with like planned stories. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, I'm going to go on. I'm going to tell the story of how I got my first piano or whatever. And then we end up talking about like how they make chicken wings or something. And then they're just like, what? And then, <laughs> it's like an hour later. And like, what do we talk about? That, that's the, the thing that people say to me the most is when we're done recording, just like, wow, what did we talk about? <laughs> like, it's always really confusing for people. Like some tornado just like flew through their house and like, what? Yeah, yeah. You catch people off guard. God. But hey, man, look, we can do something new on the show. Is there something you want to talk about? I usually ask people that at the end. Let's ask it at the beginning. Anything that you want to talk about, Andy. That is a cheat. Well, you know what? I like, <laughs> I remember first, like, 
discovering your podcast early on when I was, you know, discovering Synthwave and I remember sending you stuff. Like you're one of the people that I've just meant to have on the show for a long time because obviously you've been, you know, around since the early days and then sometimes I just get distracted and I forget and then I'm like, it's like three years later, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll message that person again, you know? Yeah, yeah, I understand. We all get busy. What makes you busy, Johnny? I work full time and, you know, I work on my music and my spare time spend time with the family. I've got a kid, a seven-year-old son, so keeps me busy. I recently just played the Heavy Rain game on PS4. Have you ever played that? You know what? The prologue depressed me, and I didn't want to play it anymore. Yeah. Is Heavy Rain the one where you're walking through the fucking mall and you lose your kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, yeah, like you lose your son, and he's like, Jason! Yeah, Jason! 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 Yeah, okay, so I played that part, and then I remember yeah. being so upset at that sequence that I literally didn't continue playing the game, which I guess is a, in a way, it's a testament to the game that I felt so viscerally like, emotionally from a video game, but the problem was the emotion wasn't like fun. It was like, Mm. this game just made me experience my son being kidnapped? Like, fucking dumb game? Like, it made me mad. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, um, it was quite interesting. Like, it was a pretty sort of dark intro to the game and, like, I guess it does have dark overtones throughout, but I I felt, you know, I pushed through and I was like, this is pretty engaging. It was like... Isn't there a part where you're in your kitchen, like after your kid gets kidnapped and there's this big whole sequence where you got to like open cans of orange juice and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've got like another son, <laughs> the the son who survived, mm. and then you got to like make his dinner and like help him with his homework and stuff like that. There's like mm. a few real menial tasks that you have to do, like to sort of learn the controls, etc. Like, But yeah, it's it does turn out to be a really interesting game. I was pretty happy with it. It looked like a good game. I think it was because, like, if see, if I watch a movie where stuff like that happens, uh, you know, if a parent, like, loses a kid or something, like, it's still like a movie, so in a way, you're still passive while you're watching it. Right. You can't really do anything about it, but you are watching, like, someone else's story, so I think what bugged me about that scene was that you're playing the character. Right. It was almost like a nightmare, you know, where, like, you're, you're running mm-hmm. and you can't move or you're yelling and no one hears you, and that's what that scene did to me, and so I was like, it frustrated me. Like, I, I don't want that experience from a game. Yeah. I'm, like, plenty stressed and stuff, like, in real life. Are you okay, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. This game is unearthed <laughs> dark memories. Well, I just oh, think, um, like, there's certain things, like, with games, I like the relaxation aspect. I like the escapism aspect. Right. I already have anxiety in my life, and so when a game triggers that feeling, yeah. where it's just like, hey, this is you're anxious now, and it's just like, yeah, but I get this. I normally get this. What I don't get is like <laughs> the exhilaration of like jumping off a building and flying a dragon and shit, you know, like Yeah, I get what you mean. Like you you want to break from the anxiety and the daily stress. You don't want to like jump into it in your spare time. Yeah. And again, maybe like, you know, after that opening scene and when you just start playing as the detective and stuff, like it things change, mm. but uh for some reason that opening scene really soured me to like I just was like, "No, I'm done." I have the damn game. It was a PlayStation Plus game like uh, last year, I think. Right. Yeah, that's that's why I got it. I had it for a little while and I'd never played it and then I finally got around to playing it and I, I enjoyed it. And I recently just started playing Detroit Become Human, which is by the same developer. Yeah, see, that's why I think the reason why I was reminded of Heavy Rain is because I downloaded Detroit because it was also a PlayStation Plus game like two months ago. Exactly. Same here. And then downloading it also downloaded Heavy Rain again for some reason. That's what happened to me, yeah. There you Pretty go, much. man. 
We're PlayStation Plus buddies. I know, we are. We gotta add each other. Well, look, how about this? Let's uh, listen to some more music. Sounds great. And then we'll uh, keep chatting. So this was another one you did uh, in 2014. This track is called Feel the Music by Killstar.
And that was Feel the Music by Killstar. And I am here right now with Killstar talking about heavy rain and video games. So did you beat Detroit or are you just playing it now? No, um, I'm just playing it now. So I'd say I'm a few hours into it. I've played a few of the different storylines and it's engaging me so far. What really gets me is, have you, have you played it at all? No, I've just, it's funny. Like every time I think about that game, all I picture is just the cover with that actor's face because I think right. my wife watches um, oh, what's that fucking terrible it's like a doctor show with a lady doctor Grey's Anatomy uh, yeah the, yeah the yeah some Grey's Anatomy yeah, yeah that dude has like such a there's something striking about his face I guess because he's his blue eyes yeah and so like whenever he's on screen he is a guy who you just look at yeah so yep. then whenever I think of Detroit I just think of like his face that's it. That's all I really know about the game is his face. and That's all you need to know about the game, Andy. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good game. Good game. Enjoy. All right. So is that the more of the things you like to do then? Mm. Are you not uh, running around in like GTA, like uh, beating people up? That's what I do. Oh, man. I, I used to love doing that. You know, when I was younger, like when GTA Vice City, needless to say, came out, that was probably one of my favorite ones. That's well before I discovered Synthwave. I suppose that's like an early influence for me in discovering my love of 80s music because I was born in 1986, right? So, like, I didn't exactly live through the 80s as, like, a, a teenager or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was exposed to 80s music somewhat, obviously, but um, it wasn't until I played Vice City, which I was like, ooh, 80s music, not bad, not bad, eh? You know, for me, it was, honestly, Grand Theft Auto 3, because they had that radio channel that just played the music from Scarface. Oh, like yes. Like, the, the Giorgio Moroder, like, the... You know, yeah, the, the songs. Because yeah. mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. that point, like, I loved the movie Scarface, but I never, like, I saw it in high school, but I never really thought about it as just, like, 80s. I just really liked it. I always liked synth music mm. and stuff like that in, in my scores, and so all this stuff always had an effect on me, but I never really put it into words. It wasn't until, like, the synthwave scene existed that I was, like, I found the thing that I'm like, oh, this is what I like. It's this. Yeah. And I hadn't really, you know, because up until that point, I listened to synth pop and, like, you know, Depeche Mode and mm-hmm. Techno and, you know, random things, but it was sort of synthwave that made that connection in my brain like the synapses fused and was like right it's this specific mm. thing it's it's 80s it's, it's it's about the aesthetic and the time but it's also the music but it's also synthesizers and yeah it's exciting yeah i love scarface i have seen that movie at least 20 or 30 times oh it's an amazing it's an amazing film yeah yeah i was i was hooked on it the first time i saw it i went with uh two friends from school and they were playing it in a theater like where it was kind of like an intermission halfway through type deal mm. and then you come back and watch the second half and i was like blown away especially with the music all throughout the movie i was like wow this is great i've probably talked about this on the show before but there's something about when you discover movies yourself when you go in without expectations and for me mm-hmm. in the 90s when i was like a film nerd that's when blockbuster video still existed and there was at one point where they had this stupid deal where it's like rent 20 movies for like 20 bucks and keep them for a week <laughs> as long as they're like old movies right yeah and so i would go in with my buddies and we'd like split it you know like we each put in like 10 bucks or something and then mm-hmm. uh and then we would just trade the movies and so we'd watch them like alone usually like ourselves and then just see them the next day at school and go like okay i watch this one and this one and then i'd take two from them and nice so it was really like the same period of time this was like in high school when i you know saw blade runner and scarface and i went in with nothing. The only thing I had was my older brother. Mm-hmm. When I told him I was going to watch Blade Runner, he's like, that's a cool film. That was it. That was So that's all I had going on. Like, no one told me the plot or the tone yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. 
And Scarface, no one said anything. And at that point, the internet didn't exist, so I wasn't aware of Scarface memes or, you know, all the stupid quotes or, you know... The internet sort of spoils certain things with the overuse of catchphrases and the... Oh, definitely. So, yeah, so I went in blind to Scarface, and I was just, like, fucking blown away, man. That movie was, like, it would fucking blew my mind. And then the ending, like, (laughs) it would just... And I was showing it to all my friends, and I got all my friends into it because, like, I was like, you gotta see fucking Scarface. And I remember, like, (laughs) kind of having to, you know, because the beginning's a little slow, and so, like, I had to kind of keep people interested. I'm like, no, don't worry, man, it's gonna pick up, you know, doing this. And then, of course, once people finish the movie, then it's, like, their favorite film, too, right? Yeah. And then, when you've seen it so many times, and I guess, you know, the same with you, having watched it so many times, Mm -hmm. like, the whole movie to me is like a comedy now. Like, every single line makes me laugh in that movie. And the performances, like, I love all of it. Yeah, it's definitely evolved for me as well. (laughs) Yeah, I I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, The worst is when, you know, people are, like, hyping up a movie to you, and you end up going to see it, and they've built it up so much that the actual reality doesn't meet the expectation anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is a good movie, almost like people can ruin the experience for you by, you know, like, be like, oh, this is awesome, this is awesome. And then, you know, they'll be sitting there with you watching it and instead of them watching the movie, they're watching you yeah. like, to see if you're going to react to the movie and... <laughs> it puts a lot of pressure and you're just like oh man just let me enjoy the movie that happened to me the other day because someone wanted me to watch Battle Angel Alita okay and I mean I'd heard mixed things about it but I thought well you know it'll be like some sci-fi film like uh, seems kind of cool and uh, man like the dialogue in that movie is horrible like all I could pay attention to was the horrible dialogue right. and it was really <laughs> distracting and I know the person kind of was like wanted me to like it and I was kind of like eh, I don't know about this movie man <laughs> like <laughs> visually it was cool but like the fucking dialogue was terrible it was anyway but i haven't seen it because before the internet you know the only time you'd ever really know anything about a film like my dad had one of those like movie guide like leonard malton books right with reviews and but when you get the big like encyclopedia sized movie review it's always like basically a paragraph and a star rating you know Mm -hmm. so like clockwork orange and there'll be like a paragraph and you know four stars or whatever yeah so that's all we had to go on so i think sometimes we chose the movies because we'd look in the movie guide and see what let's rent movies that are rated you know four stars or higher you know right without really knowing what they were about and so like i saw clockwork orange with no don't know what it's about had no idea it's like you know the cinema classic or whatever just like let's watch clockwork orange we probably watched it a little too young to be honest with you it's like i think we were like 12 same with fucking 2001 space odyssey yeah that movie i didn't know anything about and so that ending fucking just blew my mind man well i have a confession i don't think i've seen 2001 I've i've seen other kubrick films i've seen a clockwork orange and you know the shining and whatnot but never got around to 2001 2001's a cool movie the problem is like like a lot of things that have embedded themselves into the pop culture, mm. you have unknowingly seen it parodied a lot. Yeah. So okay. once you finally see it, like what I discovered when I was young was like Simpsons. Mm-hmm. The Simpsons have like subtly parodied like 2001 like so many times. And when I finally saw the movie, I was like, oh shit, I just got 50 Simpsons jokes I never knew were like references to the movie. And right. The same with Clockwork Orange as well. Like I remember as a kid, there's that episode where Lisa is doing an experiment on Bart. She electrocutes him every time he eats muffins uh, to, to do like a Pavlovian <laughs> test to see if she can... Yes. Yeah, like a dog. And there's a scene where he's reaching up for two muffins on the counter and, yeah. he, and he starts shaking and falls over and it's like a visual parody of the scene when... <laughs> 
when in Clockwork Orange he's reaching for the woman's breast. Ah, oh, yes. And then he collapses, and so they made it look the same, except they were muffins with two little like <laughs> cherries on the top of them for nipples. <laughs> and so when I saw the movie and finally got that joke, I'm just like, oh, that is amazing. Like it's fucking so stupid. Ah, uh, yeah, man. I missed so many jokes and references um, watching The Simpsons when I was a kid. And then going back and watching them, you know, as an adult and realizing how much I'd actually missed and how much flew right past my head oh, as yeah. a kid. But I'll tell you what, we should listen to more music. That's a great idea. I want to listen to this track called Starlight. Cool. <laughs> 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 Sounds shit. Yeah. All right, all right man. Uh, look, well, it's not. It's a good track. And it's uh, we're going to listen to it right now, man. This is Starlight by Killstar. <laughs>
And that was Killstar with the track Starlight. And I'm here right now with Killstar talking about movies and stuff. Did you ever watch Love, Death and Robots? No. Kind of like, uh, you've seen Black Mirror, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Love, Death and Robots is a Netflix original um, it's all animated and it's got very similar themes and concepts to Black Mirror. However, the episodes are really short. They may be like 10 to 15 minutes long and there's only one season out at the moment. Highly recommend it. Each episode is a completely self-contained story with different animation styles. So some of the animation style is kind of like video game, like 3D modeled sort of stuff. And then some episodes are like hand drawn, like comic sort of style. It's really, really cool. Well, so it's kind of like a, the Animatrix. Maybe. I haven't seen the Animatrix. Well, the Animatrix was an anthology like movie where like it was a bunch of short stories that took place in the Matrix universe and they all had different Ooh. animation styles. Okay. I think there was like, I don't know, like six or seven in the in the movie. Okay. It's been a long, long time. I mean, I watched that when I still liked the Matrix. So what year would that have been? <laughs> it was before the sequels. 99 was it? Yeah. Or am I wrong? No, the Animatrix came out before the sequels, right? Wrong? Uh, Why am I asking you? You just told me you haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm going to Google it for you. Thanks, man. Animatrix 2003, a movie, an hour and 42 minutes. The compilation of nine animated short films based on the Matrix trilogy. There you go. Ah, fuck. Unless, unless, wait, 2003. Hmm. Yeah, because the damn sequels were 2002 and 2003, right? Were they? Probably. <laughs> Get Googling, Johnny. And do I have to do everything, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chess guy and your new assistant, apparently. Yeah, man. I need... <laughs> I'm glad. I've been looking for a Google guy. So I recently introduced my son to the Back to the Future trilogy. Mm -hmm. He's only seven and like I'd forgotten bits and pieces and it was kind of hard, you know, with the, the first movie because there's a lot of questions, you know, yeah. involving incest and yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> his <laughs> and uh yeah it was just, it was a it was a funny experience but um he like my son absolutely loved the movies he was so excited like you know we'd do like a little movie night and he's like i want to watch back to the future too and then i'm like okay cool and then he loved it and then next week he's like i want to watch back to the future again i'm like what number three and he's like there's a three and i'm like yeah and he was so excited. I like the idea that he he thought the series ended with Doc Brown getting shot yeah. by lightning and disappearing, and then Marty's stuck in the past, and that's like Meh, the makes end. Makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I mean, I've always loved the first one. I used to play Back to the Future in the schoolyard. I loved it. And part two I liked, but in, in hindsight, I don't love the sequels. Uh, I think they're fine. Hmm. I have a problem with the rubbery makeup of the sequels. Okay. The old age makeup in part one, which unfortunately is a little noticeable on Blu-ray, a bit more than it was when I used to watch it on like VHS, mm -hmm. but it's subtler. It's like, the, you know, they put kind of bags on pe under people's eyes. They kind of make their cheeks a bit droopier and add some wrinkles to their neck. And that's like what they look like older. But in mm -hmm. the second movie, they have a lot of really rubbery prosthetic looking old age makeup. Yeah. You know, like when Marty McFly has that forehead full of those deep wrinkles. Oh yeah. I remember. I saw it not long ago. Yeah. It's uh 
and Biff looks like he's got like a, a an ape costume or something. Like the way his nose looks, and he's got this primate like forehead. Like he looks like almost like Neanderthal. Yeah, it's super weird. And it's so weird too because he didn't look like that in the first one. And so like the second one, you know, the second the movie starts, mm-hmm. it starts on a weird note. Like so, Jennifer is recast, which is already weird. <laughs> Marty McFly's hair is different, which I think they did to maybe disguise his age a bit. Okay, because he put, he wears his hair up in the first movie, but in the next two, he sort of has his bangs over his forehead. Yeah, and so true. I don't know if they did that on purpose to be like this may make him look a bit younger. Maybe. And then when the car disappears, it plays like kind of scary music and then zooms down at Biff, who's like, what the hell's going on here? And then like he looks like a <laughs> fucking Neanderthal. And it, and then for the rest of the movie, like, you know, the scene where they go to the future. Yeah. Marty meets the guy who gives him the idea to bet on sports. Like, I wish I could go back in time, put some money on the yeah, Cubbies. Yeah. That the dude's makeup is fucking horrible. Like, it's like shiny, uh, plastic-looking old man makeup. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. So I find all that stuff really distracting, but I love the concept. So the weird thing is, like, I just complained about it, but <laughs> Back to the Future 2 is the movie that influenced me the most to, like, go to film school oh. because I was so inspired by the split screens. Like, I loved... Right. Now you can cheat with computers, right, and green screen, yeah. but I loved uh-huh. in Back to the Future 2 how... All of those split screen shots were all choreographed, right. like so perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. found that so inspiring. Like, I the movie I made when I was in my first year of college, like was it was all split screens where I had a guy playing his own twin, and there was all these scenes where I was trying to figure out like how I could get him to like slide a cup across the table and have the other one grab it, and I didn't do anything with green screen. It was all just timing. Yeah, cool. I was just doing the split screens using Final Cut editing software, so like there was no. I wasn't even using after effects to do any weird yeah, cropping like or special effects or anything like that yeah right yeah it was all it was all real simple so i had him like he slid the cup across and so i filmed what did i do oh, no i filmed the one guy who slides the cup across first and then wherever the cup landed then i had him go to the other side of the table with the costume mm-hmm. and then make sure he was his hand was out of frame so that the cup had the full time to slide in and then move his hand up and grab the cup and so we had only one take to get it right Ooh. Or else, you know, so, and that's what I loved about Back to the Future. Like when you watch like the making of, like they've got this giant camera that's like a diamond controlled uh, motor. So it had, cause it has to be so precise. And then they would film the shot and then film it again, but film like the middle portion of the film. And then the other portion, when, whenever there'd be a camera motion, it would all have to be choreographed. Like it's, it's so cool. Sounds very cool. It is. Glad we got to the bottom of that. Yeah, but you know what else is cool, man? Music. Cool music by Killstar. Woo! I got a track here. I guess it's Killstar and Dream Fiend, but it's like Killstar X Dream Fiend. Yeah, is it? Which one is it? Ocean Club. Oh, yeah. Well, it's and. I guess the X is an and. So it's not like Killstar Kisses Dream Fiend? No, it's not Killstar multiplied by Dream Fiend either. Yep. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, this is, uh, this is Ocean Club by Killstar and Dream Fiend.
and that was Killstar and Dream Fiend with the track Ocean Club. And I am here right now with Killstar. And uh, we're just talking about movies that I like. What's something that you do? I feel like I've been talking too much. Tell me more about Johnny. What do you want to know, Andy? What do you What do you do? What do you do for work? I used to work uh, with Apple, and I'm a Apple certified hardware technician so i fix apple computers did you ever see that video i made the one where i cracked my screen trying to install a hard drive uh was it uh, imac it was yes i vaguely remember something about that that's the video it ends with me cracking the screen and letting out a right. crazy scream <laughs> okay cool yeah yeah i i vaguely remember that that was a while ago yeah man well you know because the the imacs now are so thin that like there's connectors that don't even like they're not even plugs they just sort of rest on top of each other and there's like a little latch to keep them in place yeah that's right and uh i f- fucked it up yeah they can be pretty fiddly yeah. Um, Cause do you have the the thin iMac or the thick iMac? The thin. Uh, so you've got the one which which has the adhesive behind the glass and see that was what caused the up. problem. Because yeah. when I first took the screen off, uh-huh. I'd had the computer for a few years. There was no problem. Mm. The problem was when I reconnected everything, the screen didn't turn on, Ooh. and so I realized, ah, shit, I fucking didn't connect something properly. And then when I started yeah. running the uh, the guitar pick along the edges again, yeah. the tape was new, mm. and so it was a lot harder. And then just fucking. Yeah, what a pain. Did you get a replacement screen or something in the end or what? What happened was I took it to some a professional people, not Apple, but like, you know, a certified people or not even certified. Yeah. You know, I just took it to a computer <laughs> store that fixes Apple. <laughs> some shady dudes in an alley. Yeah, I got you. They they opened up the screen and they hooked everything up for me and it was really reasonable. They only wanted like 70 bucks or something, which was good. And mm-hmm. I basically used it, but the crack really affected me like mentally and so I ended up selling it and I think the person that bought it was sort of more interested in just the hard drive in it because the whole reason why I opened it up was to put a solid state drive in right. and so I ended up selling it for not a lot I mean still enough but uh, the second you crack the screen on your iMac it's like you just depreciated the value by a thousand dollars so like yeah. that's <laughs> it's really no, annoying it sucks yeah. and uh, yeah if you go to Apple I mean the authorized like Apple repairs are so much more expensive because I do have like a, a, a model now and I'm not like Mr. Moneybags and so this computer literally has to last me like eight years for me to justify the cost of it <laughs> and so I do want to put in a new hard drive but this time Andy will not be doing it himself Andy learned from his lesson Andy certainly did I've never referred to myself in third person <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> this is the new thing today it's great I'm glad I was here to witness it yeah so I don't know man I think I'm going to slowly start navigating all of the pr- uh, products I use over to like Adobe or other ones because mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have to switch back to PC because Macs are just fucking really expensive. Yeah, they are. I know. It's a curse. The really um, difficult thing is because Apple creates such a brilliant ecosystem where all their devices work together seamlessly. Like mm. the minute you move to something that's not Apple, it's kind of like the odd one out and then kind of like screws up the whole ecosystem again. Right now, I got a different phone because I was using a cheap iPhone and I, I probably even would have gone to a newer iPhone, but uh, I thought <laughs> I was using an, like an iPhone SE and I thought in my head for some reason that it was a six. Oh, okay. So when I looked at the trade-in values, I'm like, well, hey, if I 
trade in my iPhone 6, I can get like a, a new iPhone the XS for, you know, maybe like 500 bucks or something. I'm like, that's that's pretty good. And then when I realized I had an SE and the trade-in value is $70. Yeah. I was like, oh, that put a little kink in that plan. Yeah, a bit disheartening. Yeah, so I ended up getting uh, an Android phone. And so this past month has all been about figuring out how to do cross-platform when my phone is now an Android. And so I'm like yeah. switching stuff over. I'm using like Google Calendar now instead of apple calendar which i was using before and stuff like that right see like you you change one device and you have to change everything else the only problem now is it's itunes because even though itunes annoys the hell out of me since everything was connected when i would just plug it in and drag files over and now like with my Mm -hmm. stupid android phone like i don't know how to get music on here (laughs) and so right i haven't listened to music that much lately (laughs) like i drag the files in but then they're not in the player like you know like with itunes and you drag the music over and then it's just in itunes and exactly yeah it's pretty seamless yeah interesting well not really (laughs) (laughs) you're very you're very polite johnny thank you andy (laughs) so then what does that mean do you do you actually work in a place or can you do what you do from home or do you have a van no i i work in a place so we've got like an office and we get like jobs sent into us we repair them and we send them off but i also go out to clients as well um so i look after some schools i go out to high schools three days a week and the kids there they've got their broken computers or whatnot and they're taking it to their IT department and then I come in and assess the machines and figure out what they need to be fixed and then I order the parts and do the repairs. Do schools get some sort of discount? I'm not sure how it works exactly but they've got some sort of arrangement with our company so I suppose it covers the parts and the labor and all that jazz so more convenient. See I should become a student again. Maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe next time I buy an Apple computer I'll become a student again yeah get all the student discounts yeah that'd be pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) how lame can you be when you're sitting there having a conversation with somebody and like the coolest part is ways to get deals (laughs) yeah exactly hey you remember that idea you had for getting deals i had an idea for getting deals too (laughs) yes (laughs) nice (laughs) um yeah well, look, I got an, I got another idea. How about we listen to this track from uh, 2016? It was one that was featuring Phaserland. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and this is a cool track. This one's called uh, So Fine, featuring Phaserland, and this is by Killstar.
And that was Killstar with the track So Fine, featuring Phaserland. Yeah. And I'm here right now with Killstar talking about uh, IT, fixing computers, Apple ecosystems. What else? A whole lot, Andy. Yeah. You're talking about everything. <laughs> everything. The cool thing that I realized recently was the track that you just played was featured in a Dr. Disrespect stream. I think Phaserland Ross, he tagged me in it or something like that. And it's just like a short clip from Twitch where he's just talking and there's So Fine playing in the background. And I was like, that's pretty cool. It wasn't a clip from when he uh, went into that public bathroom and filmed people? Uh, <laughs> I heard about that, but um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad. Um, I don't actually really watch Dr. Disrespect or know much about him. I just know that he's a famous streamer, so... I was like, that's pretty cool that he's playing our music. But I don't know what his agenda is. I don't know if he's a good guy or not. <laughs> his agenda. <laughs> Who do you work for? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I have a Twitch and I do want to do more streaming on it, but it's still weird to me. Like, I still don't get why people watch. Like, my plan is to eventually have more of like a show okay. that I can do on Twitch, like a live stream where people call in. Like, we've tried it a few times, but I want it to be more of a show. Like, I don't know, whenever I mm. watch videos where people are just playing video games, even though I've literally made streams like that, yeah. I don't understand why people watch it. You know what I mean? Like, I think people would be, I'm assuming, would be more interested in actually engaging, like use Twitch as a place to engage and, and chat. And so I want to do like call in and stuff but yeah well i i don't know it's it's weird that people like to watch other people doing stuff you know like my son watches youtube videos of kids playing with toys it's a weird sort of not necessarily problem but like an issue that we have in this day and age where we're just watching other people do mundane stuff i mean i like watching people who are good at things right and so may, i don't know maybe that trans like if you're watching someone who's good at video games like for me i get there's so many skills i lack and so i like watching restoration videos right. i like watching renovation stuff but i kind of just like watching before and afters like i don't really need to see all the work like sometimes i just like seeing like here's someone who took this shitty house and made it nice yeah yeah uh, because i don't have any of those skills carpentry wiring uh, you know, plumbing. Like, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. So there's something that I'm always mesmerized by people who are really good at their craft or like people who make blades or like people who work with metal. Like, yeah, for sure. It's cool to me to watch. But with video games, it's like, I don't know. T to me, the pleasure of games is playing the games. Mm -hmm. I, I've never enjoyed watching people play. Even like when I was a kid, you know, and somebody, like, I got a new game and you go to their house and it's like a one player game and you're just watching them play. And then it's just like, yeah, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's why Goldeneye honestly was such a big deal because I just remember like and and Mario Kart as well, like on the 64, like it was so cool that like, yeah, the multiplayer. You, yeah, you're playing four player with your friends. Like that was like uh, that was a big deal because right. there were some four player games on the other system. Like, I think did the Turbo Graphics have like a multi tap or was that the Super Nintendo Ooh. where you could plug in an extension that would allow for four controllers? But there might there's like two games that used it. Right. Yeah. If if that existed, uh, I certainly didn't own that when I was a kid, so I don't know. The peripheral I'm thinking of is the multi-tap. Multi-tap. It was okay. called multi-tap, and so I feel like it was either a Super Nintendo 
or a turbo graphics thing oh because bomberman oh uh, okay because you could play bomberman with four people so that was right the, okay I, i'm trying to think of another four-player game on like an old console that isn't bomberman maybe a sports game like a hockey mm. games or something you could t- you could plug in the multi-tap but then most people who played sports games always played them on sega that was always the thing was that genesis had better sports games okay you're in australia right yes was it mega drive over there yes it was mega drive is it literally just genesis in north america yeah i believe so because when i heard of genesis i was like is that a different console but it turns out it's the same thing apparently yeah we just called it mega drive in australia so australia then had the european i mean australia does borrow a lot from i mean you know we're originally a british colony so it makes sense that we borrow more from the European or UK sort of direction. But yeah, I've always known it as Mega Drive as a kid. Yeah, my, my first Sega was a Master System. Yeah, we call those Master Systems here, so I guess they didn't do a yeah a wacky name over there for that. Yeah, with the built-in Alex the Kid, Alex Kid game. That was pretty cool. It really is only Sega and... What, what, I feel like there's another system that had a different name. Really? Was it just the Genesis and, and the mm, Mega Drive? That's the main one that I know of. Oh, I'm, you know what I'm thinking of? Famicom. Because in, uh, in J- Japan, they'd call it the Super Famicom instead of the Super Nintendo. Hey, nerds, this is Andy from the future. Uh, I'm here to spoil your fun because, as I know, you're busily trying to type out. You're like, hey, Andy, it's a Famicom. La, la, la. So I'd just like to let you know, I am fully aware that it is called Famicom for some reason as I was having this conversation with Johnny. I said Famicom, but I am aware it is Famicom. And if you want to type in a little bit of trivia in the comments section when you correct me, you can tell me it's called Famicom because that's short for family computer because you are very good at looking up Wikipedia. So uh, beat you to it, nerds. It is indeed Famicom, and I know it's Famicom. So shut up in advance. And now back to the show. We called it Super Nintendo in Australia. Yeah, so maybe that was only that was, that was a difference between Japan and the rest of the world. Right. Yeah, I think so. This is good stuff. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> we're we're getting to the bottom of all these facts. I love it. Yeah, man. Well, you know, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do the the work that Wikipedia would do quicker. Exactly. It's not an easy job, but somebody's got to do it. Mm. I'm not sure that that's true. <laughs> Nobody has to do it. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> a, I think it's an easy job and no one needs to do it. So that's... <laughs> well, look, man, I want to listen to another track and then maybe we can wind down. Um, so let's move forward here to your album, uh, Worlds Apart, which you uh, put out last year. And, uh, and this was a nice track uh, that I really liked. It was called Dreamscape and it is by Killstar.
was Killstar with the track Dreamscape. And I'm here right now with Mr. Killstar himself. Hello. You've been making music in the scene for a long time, but like really Worlds Apart was the first like album, right? I mean, you, yeah. you had like an EP before. What What took you so long, man? You know what? Like generally like when I'm working on music, I'll have a lot of projects, you know, that are not finished or that I'm not completely happy with. I suppose, like, I'm trying to find a way to, like, make music without repeating myself too much because when I discovered Synthwave, I, I binged it a lot. And after a while, I guess I started to get a bit fatigued by, you know, listening to so much Synthwave and there was all these new artists just popping out of the woodworks, just left, right and centre, and it all become really homogenised and sounding the same. And I don't know, like, I, I guess I could have put out like stuff sooner but I just wanted to put out something that I was kind of happy with and not keep doing the same thing over and over it's the same at the moment like since I've put worlds apart out I haven't really released anything new but I am experimenting a lot and trying to develop and grow my sound Uh uh-huh yeah that's all you had to say man (sighs) come on you're not easily pleased Andy Oh. <laughs> I'm having fun today. I've never, in the middle of a pause, just said "uh-huh" angrily. That's like, this is, uh-huh. I'm trying to develop a new persona, and then, and then, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, you're asking me why I stayed out so late, and I'm giving you this bullshit story, and you're not convinced, and you're like "uh-huh, sure." Why do you smell like alcohol then, <laughs> Jason? Jason. <laughs> good times it's funny because even though i haven't played heavy rain i've watched a lot of those videos on youtube where the people take like the animation and like they go into the code and like increase all the facial expressions by like 500 percent and stuff i haven't seen that um, now that i've played the game i reckon i should go and watch those i didn't know they existed oh it's hilarious because like they take all the points of animation and then like just increase it by like 500 percent. so like every time someone moves their mouth their lips like stick out really far and like they do these crazy grins and they like their heads flop all over the place and like they like fly around the room and stuff i gotta see this (laughs) yeah no it's funny man sounds brilliant i'm so glad that we got to that you got to speak about goldeneye so remember (laughs) when i first started tuning into the beyond synth podcast you'd just be talking about Goldeneye all the time and here we are years later and we're still talking about Goldeneye and I was like you know I used to think to myself hey if I ever get on Andy's podcast you know I I hope we talk about Goldeneye yeah so you just realized a dream for me I wish there was some way to really have a proper online experience where you could connect computer to computer without any latency Mm. I've experimented with some programs Uh, there was one I tried called Parsec which is like a screen sharing software so it's not even that you're connecting in a lobby. It's just that you're sharing your screen and it allows controller input from other people. Oh, okay. But unfortunately, like everything, like there was always still a bit of latency and it does not work for shooting games. Even though Goldeneye is not like a modern day, like twitchy shooter, you know, like the latency isn't as a big deal as it is if you're like playing Call of Duty or something. But, uh, you know, because I want to create new GoldenEye memories, Johnny. I mean, I think, shit, yeah, this is season seven. You know, I've been making this show for a long time and uh, we got to get out of the talking about GoldenEye phase into the creating new GoldenEye memories phase. Yeah, well, have you ever streamed yourself playing 
Goldeneye on Twitch? I did like a Let's Play and I played like the first level. But what I would like to do is to do like get people over, like get people from the synthwave scene over to my house and do four player split screen and then Twitch that. So like there's four of us like playing live while people are like watching and like my idea was that people could give suggestions for the um, the scenarios. Yeah. So like on Twitch, like we play like 10 minute matches and then like people who tune in go like next match, you got to have it at, you know, the facility with remote minds or whatever. And then like that's what we would do. That's cool. Have some kind of a tournament or something. Yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd watch that. So look, man, we can probably wind down, but is there a track I didn't play that you're particularly proud of that you want to play? Maybe we can sort of like play that and then say goodbye. Maybe uh, In Motion, In Motion from the uh, the album. When I was writing the album, like you never know which tracks are going to be, you know, received well by people or which ones are going to be favorited by people. And, you know, you just never know, you know, a track that I might think is really good may not be as popular but then one which i just think is just a throwaway or you know not a throwaway but like you know less less insane track people just love it and a lot of people really loved in motion so i say let's go with the the people's choice all right man i like that let's do it this is uh, in motion by killstar
And that was Killstar with the track In Motion. That is the People's Choice from the Worlds Apart album, and I'm here with Killstar, and we're just winding down. We're going to say goodbye. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I think we're good, Andy. I think we're good. But, you know, we could always uh, do this again another time. I feel like I talked too much today. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, you're all good, Andy. I love hearing the sound of your voice. Well, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're both happy then. So look, it was lovely to to finally chat with you. Obviously, I've... uh you know, we've we've chatted before over the years, and so it's nice to to put a voice to a guy, <laughs> as the old saying goes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy, you crack me up. Well, that's a dumb thing I just said. Well, it's staying in the show because I don't edit this thing. So awesome, I love it. Keep it raw. Yeah, we will, man. But listen, you have a lovely Australian afternoon. Yeah, thank you, Andy. I hope you have a lovely night. You too, buddy. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Take care, Andy. All right, and that was my conversation with Killstar. Go check out his tunes. And that is all I have to say. So I hope you guys have a lovely day. Uh, There will be a high five this week. Uh, That's only in a few days. And I'm not sure. We are going to do a family Halloween show, but I don't know when it's going to air. It might air on Halloween or anytime before then. So look out for that. And uh, remember, if you want to join the Beyond Synth Discord, I'll post a link in the show notes. Or you can message me and I can invite you. So look, have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you in a few days on the Beyond Synth High Five. And uh, until then, have a lovely uh, few days. I'm not really good at signing off of shows. Listen, this has been Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.